everyone and welcome to Minute 156 of The Great Escape Minute, the daily podcast where we dig into The Great Escape one minute at a time. I'm Rob and joining me today is Hugh Keen from the National Treasure Minute. Welcome to the show, Hugh. Hi, how's it going? It's doing great, going great. Looking forward to having a fun week to talk about everything that happens in The Great Escape. At least these minutes. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. Right, so... Uh, not the not the most... Um, dialogue heavy minutes uh here (laughs) that's true uh mostly just action yeah which is great i guess yeah i'm personally i'm i'm a big dialogue fan i like analyzing dialogue but um sorry these are are the random randomly chosen uh, yeah that's okay (laughs) i think these minutes like i think the i think the whole movie's just shot really well um in terms of framing and stuff. And so this is a great example of that. Exactly. So minute 156 begins with the second waiter and Cedric peeking out from their hiding place and goes all the way till the Gestapo man introduces himself to Roger. As we were discussing yesterday, there was the whole scene where Cedric was hiding, hiding behind a newspaper in a little cafe, supposedly in France, even though it was filmed in Germany, (laughs) in Fusen. Yes. Okay. At this point, the waiter, decides to bring him to behind the bar in order to save him because something's about to happen to the three German officers who've been who've joined who joined up in the who showed up in the cafe and were drinking. A car comes by and shoots the three of them and uh, on Friday we discussed the fact of how uh, the stunt double stunt, stuntman did a very nice job of going in completely different directions after getting shot. Oh he had one go to the right, one okay. go to the left and one do a backflip across the chairs behind him. So, yeah, that was a lot of fun. So, this minute <laughs> begins right after that, where the first waiter s- stood up and to make sure the coast was clear, and then in this one, you have the second waiter and Cedric pop their heads up in order to, to see that everything is finally over and that uh, they're safe. Yep. After they do so, the, the first waiter goes and takes a bottle of something from behind him, and uh, the second waiter takes out two glasses, and the two of them drink up to the fact that they've just had a hand in murdering three SS uh, officers. I, I find that very interesting that they don't even offer Cedric one. Okay. Yeah, I also wrote down my interaction to, like, their reaction to this, because I was like, I guess it makes sense in the middle of a war that they're that desensitized to people dying that they're actually celebrating. Like, like obviously, it's, an, it's a victory for the resistance, um, and it's against the enemy, but it's still sort of jarring to me that the very first thing they do is drink. Like, not, like, they don't, like, later on in this minute, we hear sirens, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, what happens? Like, they know somebody's going to come find these dead Germans, right? Obviously. And so there was no, there was no hiding of the celebration. Like, the, I guess what I'm saying is they just did it out on their counter. They didn't, like, they didn't, they were just very open with their celebrating of this. And from what it, the sounds in the background of the minute, it sounds like in a couple minutes they're going to have to stash that stuff away pretty fast because somebody's going to be investigating this crime scene. The question is just how much so, is someone going to be investigating the crime scene in this little town? You know, is it something that, that everyone will be happy about, the fact that these three Germans were shot? You know, I guess that's true. Maybe they were the highest ranking Germans in the area, so therefore, you know, anyway, who knows? It, it is possible 
that there will be some sort of investigation. You're right. I didn't even think about that aspect of the whole thing, but how they plan on getting out of it by saying, "Oh, we had nothing to do with it. We were we were just sitting here, yeah. uh, you know, drinking our uh, our, our wine, <laughs> and someone someone yeah. came out of nowhere and just shot them." Did you notice what type of car? Yeah, no, but... I was a little too drunk. Didn't didn't notice. <laughs> but I th- I think it was a yeah. green car or maybe it was a black car. Even though I think it was gray. But <laughs> they. But you're right. It is interesting that it would have. I don't know if it would have been a comedic touch, but it would have been uh, interesting if he'd also offered one to Cedric. Yeah, here. exactly. Because I mean, they they did save Cedric. It wasn't as if they. They yeah. thought that he's someone who's connected to the to the enemy. They they don't know who he is, and they don't really know what his background is and how he got to this particular place. But they don't have to say, okay, we're going to actually try and save him. Yeah. So if they're saving That's him, true. so why not give him a glass also? Uh, it, it as you said, it's a, it's a little insensitive for them to do it this way. It's yeah, and it's also like they're assuming he's not affiliated with Germany at all. Right. I mean. They just, they went on the way to save him, but there's always, I mean, there's a chance, I guess, there's loyalists in France, so. Well, of course. I, mean, I don't yeah, know. The whole Vichy it's government. Just, I mean. Yeah, so it's just like, it still is, it's just surprising to me. I mean, and maybe it's just for, like, movie theatrics, but I just, it doesn't seem real to me that they would immediately drink, especially with a stranger there. Like, but. <laughs> well, apparently, apparently they think it is. So, I mean, I'm not. I mean, it's yeah. it's a nice touch. It is a nice touch. It's it's because I think it's something also that the audience wants That's true. to see. Yeah, you want to see that. You want to see the you Germans know, get it. We just. <laughs> that's right. The three Germans just got shot, and therefore, cheers. Let's let's yeah. drink to that. You know that type, that type of thing. Which obviously there, there there are different ways that you can look at it. I think it is part of also the comedic aspect of or the 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 comedic tone of the film to do it this way. Yeah. But again, when when you're sitting and watching this minute by minute like we have, it it really stands out the fact that they don't even offer Cedric mm-hmm. anything. You know, they, they, they don't really even pay attention to the fact yeah. that he's here, despite saving his life a few seconds ago. That is true. So, yeah. Yeah. So, at this point, Cedric then says to them, resistance? Which which is pretty funny, because who yeah. else would it be <laughs> at this point if they're... they're <laughs> they, They've now just clinked glasses over the fact that they've just, they've killed three Germans. No, we're actually real, yes. we're Germans. We're happy that we killed the yeah. Germans. I mean, what what else could you be? You know, who else could it be? You know, then he says it a second time, and at this point, the waiters get a little taken aback. They're not really sure if this is someone that they should trust mm-hmm. or not. You know, when when he says resistance a second time, uh, the 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 waiter actually looks a little yeah. scared. You know, whether it's scared that, okay, I'm now going to get caught, or, you know, he's, what's going through his mind is, is maybe I shouldn't have saved this guy? Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, Not really sure. When I was watching it, it, it seems like the waiter closest to Sedgwick, um, he does a good job in this scene. Um, but, like, the, the mustache waiter, uh, the other one, uh, he, he, like, has no reaction to anything that happens in the scene. He doesn't react really to what Sedgwick says at all. And he doesn't, and there's a time where the middle, uh, the first waiter, like after Sedgwick asks for assistance, um, he like looks over at the mustache guy to see, like get some, I guess, uh, affirmation from his friend 
and there's just no, there's nothing. <laughs> right, but I think it could also be because maybe the the, the second waiter doesn't doesn't understand what the, I guess the that's, English. That is, that, is, that could be. Yes. It could be. You know, well, the question is whether it's the actor who couldn't understand English, or whether or whether it's the yeah. character. You know, maybe they just got some some local to play the character and just said, okay, just stand there. And you don't have to say anything. All you have to do is every take that we make, you get to take a drink. <laughs> okay, yeah. Beyond that, you're good. Yeah, I mean, I'm so, assuming it's just an extra, <laughs> and they were like, "Hey, you need to be a waiter in this scene." Um, but it was just, yeah. it was just funny because um, it was, it was just funny because he was pretty plain throughout the whole thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, one of the things that I love about the, or that I'm a little upset actually about in this movie is because at the time, people who had bit parts never got any credit. So we have no way of finding out who these two characters, uh, who these two actors are, who play them. They're, they're not listed, even on IMDb, they're not listed in any type of credit. Interesting. Which, which is, is a little yeah. disappointing, because it would have been nice to have actually seen that and get a little more information yeah. about it, about who they are. I, I guess that's what it is. You know, there's nothing you can do about it. All right, so at this point, Cedric responds, resistance, resistance. And then, obviously, because of his terrible Australian accent, his French accent isn't isn't good at all either. The, the waiter then says, "You're English," which which is even funnier because, you know, he, he obviously hears him speak English, but to think that he's British goes to show that he has absolutely no idea about the uh, yeah. accents. It would have been funny if he would have said, "You're American. <laughs> You're an American pretending to be yeah. an Australian." <laughs> but no, he just asks if he's English. And then he gives a quick little explanation as to who he is. He says, I'm, I'm Australian. Which, uh, that, that, that's obviously debatable based on his <laughs> accent. But uh, at this point, he begins to try speaking a little bit of French, which we can see his, uh, the, the waiter himself notices the fact that he does not have any take on, on the language. And as soon as he begins speaking French, he quickly cuts him off and says, uh, you can speak English. I completely understand what you're saying. And at this point, the, the mustache waiter then wipes his wipes his mouth. Yes, yeah. <laughs> he picks up he picks up a rag or a dish towel and just wipes his getting ready for his mm -hmm. next drink. I guess you can say. And at this point, he, he explains who he is. He says, "Bloody good! I'm a British officer. I've just escaped from the POW camp in Germany. I'm trying to make my way to Spain. Do you understand me?" His response is funny because he responds yeah. in French. Mm -hmm. He goes "oui" instead of instead of responding "yes," which he told him that he understands what he's saying and then he asks can you help me and at this point this is where we hear the the police siren based on what you said and you can see the reaction of the two waiters to hearing the police siren coming from the distance cedric is also taken aback by this point because he looks around also very suspiciously and then the waiter tells him that i can't help you but i do know someone who can bloody good response from yes from cedric and at this point the waiter then takes him and you know, tries to, to hide him in the back. You know, he grabs him by the arm and then uh, pushes him back behind him. So, you know, it's 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 nice the way this plays out. But it also makes you wonder, Cedric is really, he's very quickly being able to to trust these people. Obviously, he sees that the the Germans were, were shot, okay? Is he able to, to, to figure it out on his own that these two guys had a hand in the whole thing or is it something that they were, might have just been tipped off it's possible that someone told him okay be careful someone's coming to, to shoot the, the Germans or it could be the other way that okay he's part of this plan 
to, yeah. to kill these three high-ranking Germans. It could be either, but Sedgwick doesn't know either of them. So it it's pretty interesting the way yeah, they play this out. I didn't even think about that, about uh, how quickly he trusts them. Um, I guess you could potentially say he was so tired of trying to figure it out on his own at that point that he was like, I'm just going to need to like trust the first people I can. Like maybe he was like, I'm having no luck getting out of here by myself. And so, or maybe he'd seen fellow prisoners get captured nearby or something. I don't know. Right. Okay. No, that's possible. I mean, I, I think part of it also has to do the fact that, that we all know that Sedgwick is, yeah. is, is a loner, somewhat similar to Hiltz, yeah. you know, Steve McQueen's character. All of the other characters, we see them pretty much, most of them, not all, most of the characters, we see them leave in in groups, in groups of two, groups of three. You know, uh, you have, uh, you know, Henley and Blythe, who, uh, you know, we saw Blythe uh, get killed last week. Who else? We we see Haynes and, and Nimmo are together at one, uh, when they're trying to... Bartlett to and his out. friends. You know, we see, obviously, Bartlett and... We get uh, Bartlett and Mac, which will... We'll have to, we'll discuss a lot about yeah. actually even later this minute we're going to talk about them, uh, but most of this week is about the two of them. Uh, actually, Pitt is on his own, but he's always keeping a safe distance, keeping an eye on other characters before he got shot. I think it was two weeks ago. So Cedric is is on his own. You know, he's he's got his big trunk and he's taking his time getting across uh, the country. I mean, if he is in France right now and he's he's Toulouse, France, I think that's where they they mention that this is. Yeah. <laughs> he got pretty far. I mean, think about it. He came from, from uh, German-occupied Poland, went all the way through Germany, went all the way through France in order to get as close as possible yeah. to the Spanish border. This is a pretty... I mean, obviously, we know that, that he took a bike and then he took a train. But still, yeah. it, it was a long journey for him. Yeah, I mean, it makes me wonder how many days have gone by since the yeah. escape itself. Because it hasn't, can't be that many days. But it also can't be that... that that too many. Yeah. Few, it wasn't that they just got out yesterday. It, it must be at least two, three days. I think the, when I was researching, they were they talked about um, uh, Ro- the real Roger, um, like from real life. He made it like, mm-hmm. yeah, Roger. Blue, he made it uh, some Michelle. insane distance in like just like sixteen hours of getting out of the camp. I can't remember what the distance was, but it was it was something like hundreds of miles like away and i was like he yeah he made a lot of ground for well for i guess i never i obviously always knew more about the movie than i did about the real event and i just always assumed they all got caught in like the town outside of the camp like that's what it always felt like a lot of them did a lot of them got caught very quickly because of the fact that the the, the real escape took place on March 24th, mm. and there was snow on the ground. And just a quick trivia tidbit that you probably don't know. Uh, other people have heard me mention it beforehand. The, the actual escape took place on Steve McQueen's 14th birthday. Really? Yes. Oh. His, his birthday was, That's he was born on March 24th, and, and, you know, he was born 1930, and 1944 was when the escape actually happened. But there was snow on the ground, and the snow was one of the reasons why many of them got caught. I see. Partially because it, I guess it's harder to hide footprints when you're going through the snow. Yeah. And also it makes it more difficult to, to travel. You know, that's going to keep you from, from trekking along a lot quicker. Yeah. If, depending on how deep the snow was. I don't, that, that I couldn't tell you. But also it's possible that, that the trains weren't running properly because of the snow or buses or yeah. whatever it is that they were trying to, uh, to do. 
That's true. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the movie, they, they have them escape in August. So that makes it... Yeah. Uh, the, the weather is a little nicer here. <laughs> Much nicer than it was in real life. So then we move along and we, we get to see a bus that you can clearly see that it's on its way to Zurich. Yep. Which is Switzerland, which obviously is is a safe place to go. We see... Now, I found this very interesting. I, looking at this you know, very closely, you see five women standing to get, get onto the, this bus. And then you see in the distance, you see Roger and Max walking towards the bus. But right after that, and beyond that, we, should, we see two Gestapo men that are standing close to the door of the, the bus, checking passengers that are showing up in order to, to go in or looking at them. At this point, we, we get a close-up of people getting on the bus... And one of the passengers getting on the bus is a man. Okay. So they didn't do a very good job of continuity here. <laughs> Why do you say that? Well, because you have five women standing in line. Oh, in you mean shot, like between the, in the cuts? In the close-up. I see, I see. Yeah, and, and then in the close-up shot, there's a man among them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one thing I noticed about also about this is if you like look in the bus as they're walking past it, there's not room. Like, there's not going to be seats for Roger and Mac when they get on the bus. Uh, at, oh, wow. I didn't even think about that. At least that. it doesn't appear so to me because there's still a line ahead of them, and all the windows on their side of, on the side of the bus they're walking on are full. Like, those seats are full. And then it looks well, like... it looks like in the back there's there's some seats. Okay. It looks that way. I don't, I don't know. It looks like the bus is super full to me, at least, and I was... I was like, I don't even know if there was room on the bus, like in re- when they were filming it, um, and they were they were just like, hey, just line up, but we they didn't actually count the amount of people. Wow. Okay. Yeah. When you look at the close up of the two of them standing in line, you're right. You can see that that bus is really packed. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and there's still people getting on. <laughs> there's a lot of people getting on, but maybe they just pack them in. Maybe. You know, pack them in like sardines. Everyone wants to go to Switzerland, you know. Yeah. And then I also noticed a few other discrepancies between the, the passengers that were standing in line in the, in the long shot and the short shot. There's, like, a woman who has her head covered. Okay. And then in the close-up, you see a woman, you see another woman who doesn't have her hair covered. Okay. You know, she's not wearing something something on her head. Again, they, they film these completely, I guess, on different days and never paid attention to the fact that they do not have the same actors uh, or the same extras. Mm-hmm that were used there. Then we get to see Roger and Mac walking somewhat casually towards the bus door. They, they are looking around a little too suspiciously. The two of them, uh, you know, look very nervous by the way that they're they're going. And then they actually get stopped by the Gestapo man who's standing at the front of the bus. He walks up to them. Again, I'm not going to make people uh, have to sit through my rendition of German words. So basically, <laughs> basically what he says is, he goes, Secret State Police, I'd like to see your ID. Okay. You know, it's, it's interesting what he, what he holds up. He doesn't hold up a, 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 an identification that has his picture or anything like that. He holds up what looks like a coin. Yeah, it, and it was interesting to me how it wasn't very big, whatever yeah. he holds up. Yeah, I, I wonder if the coin itself has some sort of significance to it. You know, is, it, is there yeah. something written on the coin... That, that that would identify who he is. Is is the coin like a a specific specific Gestapo Reich coin that only Gestapo men could have? I don't know. Interesting. Yeah, no clue. And that's pretty much how the the minute ends. Do you have anything else you wanted to say about this minute? 
Yeah, um, I have a couple things. These are both sort of quick um, history or just factual uh, bits. Mm -hmm. But I looked up both the posters that were in the bar on the wall. Ooh, okay. Um, and one one said apricot balls mm -hmm. on it, B O L S, and it. And from what I found, I'm not an expert on alcohol, so what I found online was balls is the brand, and apricots the flavor, and it's an apricot brandy. Oh wow! Uh, which was originated in the Netherlands, um, and dates back to the 19th century. And then the other one called. It was spelled B Y R R H. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Absolutely no clue. So, um, <laughs> I think it said it was somewhat popular in the U.S. because it sounded like beer, like the name sounded like beer. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's like a, I don't know. Anyway, it's a French, originally a French alcoholic beverage, um, which was created in 1866, and it was sold in the U.S. until Prohibition, and then they didn't sell it in the U.S. until 2012. So, well, is there a reason for that? Uh, I didn't. I didn't look deep enough. Um, so I don't know. Uh, but wow, no. But that is that is fascinating. The fact that prohibition ended in 1932, I think. Yeah, if I remember like that. correctly. So yeah, that that it wasn't in America. Wow. But um, all like posters and that are like their um, I guess like their period for the for the movie. Like they're both things that did before the war happened, and like. I didn't. I didn't know if there might be continuity errors there, but they're like, they work for the period of the piece. So yeah, especially given the fact that that when it was made in 1963, or when it came out in 63, they filmed it in 62. That you know they they knew to 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 use these particular brands, knowing that it's something that that was authentic for the time. Yeah, and then my uh, yeah, and then my other. Uh, I just sort of wanted to talk about uh, James Coburn since this is the only minute uh, we get of him. Um, the guy who plays Sedgwick. Yeah. Um, and I've, uh, I was doing research about movies I've seen, other movies I've seen him in. And apparently I've only ever seen him in other mm -hmm. Steve McQueen movies. So <laughs> Magnificent the Seven Magnificent and then Hell is for Heroes, which was actually like film. He did that movie right before this one. Ah, okay. Um, and then apparently he's also mm -hmm. the El Slizo Cafe owner from the Muppet movie, uh, which I didn't realize. And then I had to go back and watch the scene. Uh -huh. um, and he actually is. <laughs> and then he's also Mr. Watt from Incredible, or from Monster Dean. <laughs> um, he voices the guy in Monster Dean, which I also didn't know. So Correct. I found that was two interesting things I found out. And. I, I think he's probably, besides um, Yule Brenner, he's probably my favorite cowboy in Magnificent Seven because he's the knife. He's the knife guy, and I always thought that was super cool. Yeah, yeah. Oh wow! I I just always thought it was super cool that he used yeah. knives, but like thinking back on it now, that's so ineffective. Queen? Like for <laughs> yeah, I, like <laughs> anyway. So. I just wanted to mention those things about him because uh, yeah. I don't get to see him the rest of the week. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's not much. Uh, he's not in the movie much after this either. He has one one other scene, uh, and that'll be it. Uh, which and then I said two weeks from now, if I remember correctly. All right, excellent. Do you have anything else to say about? Yeah, I like the color theme of the bus. 
<laughs> it's, it's really it. That's the only thing I have left, but I did like the colors of it. Do you think that that's the typical so. color scheme of buses at the time? Um, I wouldn't say I, I, I'm an authority. Because it's supposed to be French, so but, uh, I wonder if that's the... Yeah, I could... I mean, it looks like it's genuine to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what's interesting is it says... I mean, we're, we're not, no longer in France. You know, we were in France with Cedric, but now we're back in Germany. You know, and it says that, that they're actually leaving uh, Schaffhausen. Okay. Which I have absolutely no idea where that is. Straff, Straffhausen, maybe? Yeah. That, that could be where it is. And so I'm just going to yeah. Zurich. All right. Excellent. Do you have anything else you want to say about this minute? Oh, that's all I got, I think. All right. So do you want to tell people how they can get in touch with you? Um, yeah, you can find me in the Star Wars, or, yeah, the Star Wars Minute Listener Society. Ooh, <laughs> if okay. you're there. Um, but you can also find me on Instagram at Hugh underscore R3K. Um, and you can also look at my design work, um, because I'm a graphic designer at, uh, hughkeen.com, which I do not have the URL. All right. Very cool. And obviously, as you, as we mentioned at the beginning, people can actually also go and listen to you on the National Treasure Minute, which hopefully is back in full force. Yeah. At this point. Hopefully. There you go. All right. While you're doing that, you can go rate, review, and subscribe on any podcatcher that you might be using to listen to this show. You can find us on, uh, Facebook. Our group is the, uh, known as The Cooler. Our website is thegreatescapeminute.com. Our email address is thegreatminute at gmail.com. And our Twitter account is greatescapemxm. So, Hugh, you want to come back in tomorrow? Yeah, I can definitely do that. All right, excellent. So, until tomorrow, tally-ho. Tally-ho. Tally-ho.